Heavy Cardboard, Episode 75, The Colonist. Coming to you from the calm before the storm that is home of HeavyCon, Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I'm Edward. And I'm Amanda. So, big week, Edward. Yeah, Yeah, I'm fun employed. Yay! So things came to a head last week, or I guess a week ago last Friday, that was pretty much the straw that broke the camel's back. So last Tuesday, or I guess it was a week ago last Tuesday, mm-hmm. by the time you guys hear this, I put in my resignation. We agreed to part ways immediately due to the lack of workload, and well, for the last few days I've been, I guess the best word to call it is adjusting, I think. If you didn't listen to last week's Metamorphosis pod blast and want more details, I'd say go check it out. I don't want to rehash it all here. I'm just going to mention a couple of things. First off, I did not quit my job to be a to produce heavy cardboard full time. I just left a toxic environment, and this just happens to allow me to produce content full time, at least for a couple of months. At that point, we need to decide if heavy cardboard can become a full-time occupation. More on that down the road. We'll we'll hit on that later. So what does this mean for y'all? Well, the good news is this means a whole lot more extra content coming post-HeavyCon, both in podcast variety as well as video variety. So keep an eye and an ear out for that. HeavyCon's going to be here in a couple of days. Well, really for us, it's going to be here in a day (laughs) because... The, the day before HeavyCon actually is, you know, prep day. You right. know, go set up, do all that, get everything transported. Move into the hotel. Exactly, <laughs> right? So a lot of, you know, last minute packages are hopefully arriving mm-hmm. from the supporters that are supposed to be supporting. That are taking some time. Yeah. Oh, well, lessons learned here. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, it's going to be a really great time. Really excited. Folks are getting excited both in the Slack channel as well as just on Twitter right. and in the guild and everything. Just really, really excited for it. Looking forward to it. Basically, other than, you know, some packages showing up, we're, we're pretty much ready for 90 plus elephants to descend on Denver. It's just I can't wait. It's, it's going to be, be an awesome time. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. I can't yeah. wait. Looking forward to it. Yes. And today, because of the way things have played out the last few days, uh, we we hit 200 patrons Woo-hoo! on Patreon. That's a pretty cool milestone, yeah? Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's shot out of nowhere. Yep, but uh, doesn't mean we shouldn't keep it rolling. Oh, so no. Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. 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 Right, yeah, all right. <laughs> Last thing that I kind of wanted to touch on, really completely unrelated to anything else, is Really? A snowstorm oh the my week gosh. before Memorial Day? Seriously? It was insane. We went from wearing like... 70 degrees and t-shirts and shorts. Yeah, to snowboard gear and shovels. Yeah, I, I literally had to don all my snowboard attire to be able to go walk Asher. It was crazy. He got bundled up, had his snood on, and it just... And now here we are. I'm back to t-shirts and, and, you know, shorts. And now it's just raining like cats and dogs all the time. Right. But welcome to May in Colorado. Exactly. Yep. Hey, I'd rather it last week than this week coming up. Yes. 
I was perusing Game Surplus's website earlier today and I saw they added a calendar and noticed that HeavyCon was listed on it for the end of the month. Aw, yeah. Now, Carmen is coming, but it still was a nice little surprise to see. I had no idea, so that was cool. In addition to that, I saw some of the new in-stock games that they just recently got in. Roundhouse, the new version of Coliseum, Kerala, The Way of the Elephant. I mean, really, I had to mention that, right? I mean, seriously. Although, it legitimately looks like a clever tile placement game, I gotta say. And he told me, he asked me about it and said, hey, have you got a copy? I was like, no, I hadn't even heard of it. He's like, don't get a copy. (laughs) Okay, Carmen. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Also, Nippon from What's Your Game, the 10th anniversary edition of In the Year of the Dragon, and today's review game, The Colonist, Mm -hmm. all in stock. Couple the new games with the industry's best customer service and free shipping at 90 bucks, and you have the go-to online game store for elephants everywhere. Go take a gander at their new site at gamesurplus.com and tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you when you do. All of the ways to contact us are on our website, heavycardboard.com, and we rely on the generous support from our patrons over on Patreon. Over 200 of them now. If you'd like to join the community, check us out on patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard. Our custom table from boardgametables.com arrives in less than two weeks. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. I actually, if there was ever a time that I was excited that something wasn't coming sooner Mm -hmm. it's this just because we have heavy con this week and we don't have time to mess with it so it's literally just in time for us to get back from heavy con so it's awesome we were so excited okay so for those interested here are the details we ordered a custom size three and a half feet by six feet an alder wood table with a darker stain two single cup holders on each end a double cup holder in the middle of the long sides two wing shelves for smaller games, and standalone card holders. That way they show up better for the live streams. Chad and his people couldn't have been easier to work with and have made the process as smooth as can be. So if you're in the market for a custom board game table, you'll be hard-pressed to find a better mix of excellent quality, price, and customer service than with BoardGameTables.com. Go check them out and mention Heavy Cardboard when you do. I've been looking forward to tonight's review of the 2016 Golden Elephant Award finalist game, The Colonists. Yeah, me too. So let's talk about the details of it. It was published in 2016, designed by Tim Pools. The artwork is by Clemens Franz, and that's obvious by just taking a look at it. It's published by both Lookout and Mayfair Games. It plays one to four in about either 30 to 360 minutes. Sounds about right, give or take a little bit. (laughs) The availability and cost, it's about $90 MSRP, but it's currently in stock at Game Surplus for $81. All right, so let's talk about what's going on in The Colonist. The Colonist is the debut game from designer Tim Pools, loosely inspired by the PC Civ game series Anno. In the game, each player is the mayor of their own village or colony, where the goal of the game is to have the most money at the end of the game via employment of all their workers and building up their village. In order to do this, players must create new jobs in the forms of new buildings, must educate the people by upgrading their homes, building new homes which will bring in more people, and give them places to work so that you have more folks to educate, 
upgrade their homes, build more buildings, rinse and repeat, etc., <laughs> etc. The game takes place over any range of one to four eras that the players agree to before the game begins. Want to play just the eras two and three? Go for it. You want to go from two to four? Sure. You want to do the whole kit and caboodle, one through four, or just one by itself as a taster? Knock yourself out. Mm -hmm. Within each era, there are five years split between two identical half years, where players take a series of three actions each. Resources are limited, and storage of those resources is even more limited. Players move their steward or player piece, or possibly stewards, plural, mm -hmm. on the variable central board that players be build anew each game throughout, well each game they select their actions to do those afor those aforementioned actions constructing buildings upgrading buildings obtaining goods and more all in the name of building the best town gaining the most money i.e. victory points after the agreed upon number of eras players score their buildings employed workers and whoever has the most money or victory points if you prefer wins all right, so let's discuss the five factors that give the game its weight, and that we feel anyway. Right. So complexity, you know, rules overhead. I I really think surprisingly little here. Yeah, the ins and outs of what to do really isn't that difficult. I mean, you move your steward a range of three tiles, be able to do the actions on those tiles, and that's, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's more to it than that, but that, that really is the gist of it. Yeah. You move your dude, do the three things, mm -hmm. next player's turn. Yeah. Now... There is some finer points, I guess, that need to be explained in detail, especially the storage versus warehouse versus buffers yeah, yeah. and the way to you, how you can spend goods only out of storage versus warehouse, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. But outside of that, the, the rules are pretty streamlined. Now, they're, like we said, I mean, every, in any heavier game, which this definitely falls into that category, there's going to be some rules overhead. But really, when it comes to the games that, for the most part, that we talk about, I would say that there are a lot of midweight games that have a heavier rule set than The Colonist yeah, does. I could see that for sure. The, to me, the complexity lies in the buildings, you know, because there's so many different ones. You have to remember to upgrade them if you want to actually, you know, progress in the game. Right, which brings us exactly to the planning mm -hmm. aspect. And boy... As you were alluding to, yeah. there is a lot here. This is the game mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. One aspect of the planning, honestly, is what eras you're going to play. Because I know that, like, for example, Brian, if he knows that we're going to finish in era three, then his main goal is to get a red worker. Like, that's what he does the entire game, is try to get at least one employed red worker. Because they progress from green to yellow to red. Right. And if you can get one red worker ending in the third era, you're probably going to win. Or at least be competitive right. getting that, that red worker employed. Right. So right. it just, it really depends on where you're going to, where you're going to end. If you're going to play the entire game, that's one thing. But if you, if you know you're going to end in a specific era then you, you can attain your goals towards that. Yeah, you absolutely, the longer the game, the more planning that there is oh, yeah. in this game. Trying to plan out what you're wanting to build five hours from now in era four requires a certain, you know, that you have to, okay, I'm going to need this amount of buildings or this amount of farms to then be able to upgrade throughout mm -hmm. the eras to where I have enough both workers to be able to employ 
in my storage buildings, but then also to be able to upgrade to turn them into merchants. That requires planning yeah. all the way back at the beginning of era one. Mm-hmm. Now I say requires. Requires to play well. You don't have you don't to. Ha- you can fly by the seat of your pants, but sure. if you want to play well, you have to be planning from the moment you set your butt on the chair. Yep, definitely. And I, However, on the flip side of this, there are some tactical decisions based on how the game board or, or they're called places, the actual tiles, mm-hmm. how those get built out. Because as I said in the overview, that changes every game. Yeah, there's... I would I would like to know the odds of having the exact same board layout more than once. I would say it's rare. Yeah, it's highly rare. Yeah, there's so many, so many hexes and so many different ways to do that. Yeah, and, and due to the way that the board gets built out by the first player is going to force a, a fair bit of that tactical play in addition to the strategic decisions being made for the late game. It is an efficiency game that, just like any other game where efficiency is rewarded, you have to plan your turns. Mm -hmm. Like, I couldn't imagine going into Roads and Boats and having no plan. The same thing applies Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Getting three actions in a row is going to help, you know, from it becoming, for lack of a better way to put it, a tactics fest and and. In my opinion, really, this is this really is where the meat of the game comes from as far as where the weight comes from. What do you think? I agree. And honestly, sometimes having the three moves, sometimes that's too many. Sometimes you're like, I could really could only just do the one and, and be okay. But no, I have to do three. So that means I'm kind of screwed because I cannot go this way because if you land on a space, you have to do that. And sometimes you just can't. So it... You maybe just teleport. <laughs> you 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 go to a market, right. or it may put you out of position from where it is you wanted mm-hmm. to be. Again, piss poor planning on exactly. your part, not yours, Amanda's. The just royal the, y'all, right? Exactly. Going on to luck, random factors, and there's a there's a fair bit of randomness mm-hmm. here. But in my opinion, it really enhances the game mm-hmm. as opposed to detracts from the game. So pre-game, you have what colonies are selected, but it's known information before the start of the game. So I would I would call that more variability yeah, than randomness. Yeah. The biggest thing here being the way the game board is built by whoever the first player is at the end of each of the first year four years of the era. So the order in which in the the physical design of your village, of the game board, of the of the the main board between the players gets dictated by whoever's the Mm -hmm. first player. Plus, you don't know the order in which the buildings are going to come out. Now, you do know going into that year what three buildings or what three places or tiles are going to be available, but you don't know the order of the rest of them in that era. Mm -mm. So there's going to be that variability as well as going back to that tactical decision stuff. And so there's definitely... A lot of variability there. Oh, definitely. And, and going back a little bit to what you said about Roads and Boats, the difference between this game and Roads and Boats is Roads and Boats has, you know, specific maps that you go in setting up and knowing that this is what the map is going to be. Yep. With the colonists, you have no flipping clue. Well, it's, you might have an idea, but it could go out the window in mm-hmm. the very first turn and that be that. Yep. The order that the market cards comes out each era and which are randomly removed before the game, 
It's not a big factor, but again, it can influence some of your short-term decisions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And last but not least, the improvement cards, which there are a good many amount of those, and they're all blind draws. However, they can be mitigated via one of the buildings that can be built. You don't like the random draw? Mitigate it right. to a point, but you have to build that building. So it all comes down to your randomness mitigation within yourself, or maybe I'm not even going to bother with the improvement, so that's not even going to have an impact on my personal game, mm-hmm. as opposed to if you go heavy on improvement. Right, right. And I usually go heavy on the cards in the games that we've played. Last but not least, we have the game length. And I got to say, this is one of the few games where the game length truly does play a part in contributing to the weight of the game. I mean, it advertises 30 minutes up to six hours. And I've heard of games going eight to nine hours for the full four eras. Ouch. To me, that requires a a fair bit of dedication versus, you know, your standard Euro 90 minute to two and a Mm -hmm. half hour game. So yeah, I think we're definitely adding some weight here due to that. What do you think? I, I would agree. But to me, it feels good at each player count. I've played, I haven't played solo, but I think I've played every other player count. We have. And, um... I have enjoyed them all. Two players felt fast, even though you're doing the exact same number of things and the you know the exact same thing. But it just it felt like it was it moved way too fast. Mike and I played it, and we both were like, "Wait, it, we're, what? We're we're done with the era already? Wait, what? You know?" Um, but then I've played it. I played it three players, and it took a, We played four eras. It took us forever, but we had a ball, and it did not feel like four hours or, ha- or however long it was. I think all. it was closer to six to seven. Yeah, it took a long time, but didn't feel like it. It was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, there's not, there's no player count that I've played that I'm like, yeah, no, never again. But at the same time, do you feel like it's it's adding to the weight of the game? Well, absolutely, because you if you're only playing you know an hour game, you're not going to have to be thinking as far ahead in eras, but... If you know you're sitting down to play eras one through four, it's going to add some weight to it because you got to think the entire time. Yeah, definitely. There, There is not a single time that I have played either a three or four era game in which I haven't come away. Whew, I need a break. Mm-hmm. All right. I need I need to let my brain kind of regenerate a little bit because there went some energy. Yeah. So I said last but not least, but I lied. I forgot. We still have getting it. <laughs> maybe an era i mean but i don't even know if it's that long yeah i'm i'm thinking a handful of turns honestly Mm -hmm. but then you know you have the transition from era to era and -hmm. then you have the final game scoring so obviously you're not going to know those things until you experience them although they are pretty well laid out and pretty pretty transparent Mm -hmm. as to Mm -hmm. how all that is but yeah i would say it's a couple of turns i agree with you however the aha moments that come from maximizing actions and finding the best ways mm-hmm. to make sure the colonies, you know, or to maximize the colonies that are in play in your particular game, that takes play after play yep. after play. So ultimately, where do you think it falls weight range? It's going to depend on how many eras you play. You know, that's funny because I said the exact same thing. The more eras, the heavier mm-hmm. the game, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I would say a two-era game is is probably 
Medium, maybe on the lighter side of medium. Yeah. No, I think probably yeah, solid medium. medium. And it can range all the way up to, to heavy mm-hmm. based on the amount of planning involved, yep. which again, the game length. And and honestly, contributing to the weight is if you don't start in era one. If you, How so? If you start in era three. Okay. So you're only playing eras three and four, you're saying, right? right? Okay. Uh, some of the cards on the back have, if you're going to start in this era, this is what you get. And everything is done in in currency. So it's all, you know, it's all the coins, which are points. So you have X amount of points to spend on everything, on cards, on buildings, on everything. But one good thing is that you are just given cards from every era that you didn't play. So you can decide whether you want to build them or not. But I had such a hard time every time that we put we started in a later era because I would get all the stuff that I just knew that I just had to have and I would be over the limit. I'm like, yeah, inevitably, right? Because exactly. there's always going to be more stuff than what you can yes. actually do or want. Yep. And so it, that that contributes to the weight to me. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but I think that's a total. That that's like this hidden sixth one. It really is because it 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 makes you have your brain just explode before you even started to play because you're trying to you're trying to play er, prior eras in like a minute and a half. All right. Well, we'll we'll touch on that more here in a little bit because uh, I have some thoughts on that as well. All right. So let's talk about the uh, the cardboard, the stuff you actually physically get in the box. So starting with the components. A lot of stuff in a here. A whole bunch of stuff. And overall, I'd say really good component mm-hmm. quality. Mm-hmm. I'm real happy with it. Yeah, I am too. The the I mean, obviously, like we talked about, the board's not static. So it's different hexes that you place on the table. And the game needs to be small due to the largeness of the game, you know? You, the footprint of yeah, it? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, due to this, I kind of wish that the player piece had been just a hair smaller. Either that or the tiles a hair bigger. Right. Right. Because they're, I understand why they did oh, it absolutely. The, the size they did. However, the the pawns, the stewards, the player pieces, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, you have to move them until you memorize what the different tiles are. You have to move them off to mm-hmm. the side to be able to see, okay, oh, wait, I need two clay and a plank for so that. So I need to go this way and that way, not that way, because right. that, yeah. And so you you physically have mm-hmm. to move the pawns because mm-hmm. they're they they take up so much of the of the hexes. Yeah. So I get that. I totally do. That said, though, thick cardboard, mm-hmm. chunky bits. However, if we're gonna you know pick nits, I guess I wish the colony cardstock had been cardboard as well because mm-hmm. it's easy to ding the corners of those. Yeah. Again, it's it's fairly trivial. It's really not a big deal, but I figure I'd mention it. The cards are of good stock. Mm-hmm. They're good core. They're not linen finished, but even so, I haven't felt the need to sleeve them. No. Yay, white borders on the cards. Yes. The player board's also good quality. It's nice and thick, and it even has punch outs for extra storage places. Yep, it, which literally, you know, plug into mm-hmm. your player boards depending on what colonies and what what embassies you get, so on and so forth. Right, and even, you know, you can have it have your player board set up to where it has the grass or whatever in that area, and then once you get the extra storage, you pull that out and you put the storage in. Yep. The box size, it's a thicker mm-hmm. agricola size box. Yeah. 
It's just under 12 and a half inches, just under nine inches, and just under four inches. So it's about about an inch and a third thicker than your typical Agricola box. Mm -hmm. That's 32 by 23 by 10 millimeters for... Centimeters. Yeah, that'd be really small, wouldn't it? That'd be the tiny box. It'd be a tiny little box. You could put like a teeny little violin in there. Plain. My heart bleeds for Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) Graphic design. Really good. The iconography is easy to follow once you understand, you know... What it is, and it can be, I think it could be considered language independent. The cards, well. I would say the the, the actual, the the hexes. The, the places. And the buildings. I feel like they could. Interesting. I, I guess I never stopped to think about it, mm-hmm. but okay. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's consistent all the yeah. way through the game. Yeah. They use very typical uh, language or symbolic language, yeah. you know, whether it's a uh, slash meaning or mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think the graphic design, they did a really good job on. I, yeah, I got nothing else on that artwork. It's another Franz work. I mean, his art is always easy to point out. It's clear. It's, it's Franz. Franz. Clemens Franz. Hans and Franz. The pomp you up. Agricola, La Havre, Caverna, Orléans, yeah. and about 482 you, other games. You once you know who it is, you will always you'll always be like, "That's it." Yeah, that's him. you you know what to expect yeah. from from Clemens's work, and and I'm a fan. Yeah, I like I, it. I mean, he's prolific. It's consistent and it's high quality, and it's which clear is, and concise, right? Which is really all you could really want in artwork. Anything past that, we get into subjective. But yeah, it's function. It's functional. And there's decent form. Yeah. I'm happy. And plus one of the the cards are funny. Yes. Some, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Some of the uh, flavor text. Yes. Uh, it is anachronistic, I guess you could say, on some of it. And some people found issue or had issue with that, which I find funny because mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, it's, I find it humorous. Yeah, I do Some too. people don't. Okay. Often, most a lot of people, I would say, don't don't read a lot of the flavor text. Some do, obviously. We did in mm-hmm. this case. We got a kick out of it. You don't like it, it, it? It has nothing to do with the game. Right. It's just flavor. As far as the rule book clarity and st- such. Overall, I got to say, I'm pretty pleased with the rule book. I've read it a couple times, and almost all of our answers have been found within it. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a separate appendix. With the colonies broken down, individual tiles or places, the buildings, and arguably the most important thing in the entire rule book and appendix, there's a keyword index. If there was one thing I wish more games had, it was this keyword index. It's invaluable when you're looking up particular rules. Oh, hey, I have a card question. Okay, improvements. Oh, it's mentioned on these pages. Okay, boom. Oh, there it is. There's my answer. Really cool. nice. There is a fairly extensive FAQ and errata document on BGG that I would definitely highly recommend folks check out. We'll link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Most of the rules questions that we have encountered have all been related to interaction with the colonies, the timing of some of the improvement cards and stuff like that. Overall, though, I'd give the rule book pretty high marks. Right, I, I think they did really... Really well done. It it makes it approachable as well. It doesn't read like stereo instructions. That's good. So yeah, definitely fan of the rule book. 
And for the setup, teardown, teaching, learning. Baggies and planos are definitely going to be your friend when it comes to setting up and tearing down the game. We do almost exclusively baggies, but I've seen a lot of people out there that are doing uh, plano boxes and they speak highly of those. Mm -hmm. As far as teaching and learning, go watch our playthrough for how to teach the game, or at least how we thought was the best way, which very short up front and then as... Things come out, Mm -hmm. teach it as you go, that type thing. I'll link that in the show notes as well. All right. So why do you enjoy the colonists? I mean, provided you do, it is a Golden Elephant Award finalist, so you got to find something here, right? I've got to, you know, drag the bottom of the barrel to try to find something. Um, I love That was sarcasm for those at home. Hashtag sarcasm. I love how customizable the game is. It literally can depend on how long you have to play as to how many eras you play. And, you know, I like that the flexibility of starting in a later era, you don't have to, it's not a static game. You don't play, the, you'll never play the exact same game twice. Yep, totally. And you can cater it to the available time frame that you yep. have to play. Oh, you only have two hours? Play maybe the first and second era. Yep. Or maybe the second and third era or something like that. It's, uh, yeah, customizable, I think, is a really good word Mm -hmm. for that. For me, the number one thing is it's just a really pleasing meshing of logistics, resource conversion, tableau building, efficiency engine, and worker placement, although less than you might expect with the worker placement aspect. But in the end, it checks off a lot of boxes for me. I It does for me as well. I mean... I love worker placement games. We all, everybody knows that. I also love logistics. Right. You are, you are a closet UPS worker. I, I understand I, I that. I certainly am. Um, having a goal in mind to get to, and you know, it's, that's kind of a recipe fulfillment ish type thing, which the, some of the cards, them, the improvement cards are recipe fulfillment. I suppose so. You need this, you need this mm-hmm. and this to, to be make able this. to build. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah. And rule breaking cards are always awesome. And we, we hit on this during the uh, what contributes to the weight, but the game forces you to look ahead and mm-hmm. then look ahead some more and then plan and plan yep. and plan. And I'm a, I'm a strategist. I, I enjoy the strategery that this game forces upon you. And, and folks that are know the show know I like long-term planning. Mm-hmm. I enjoy my tactics, but I much more prefer, okay, how am I going to get to step Q. Mm-hmm. I have to do all these others. All right, let me see if I can keep this all straight in my head. And right. I enjoy that that mental exercise that the colonists provide. I dig building the game board itself during the game. It forces you to either adjust if you're not the first player or to balance potentially early game needs and long-term mm-hmm. wants. So, Or vice versa, early game wants, late game needs. How do you place it? And if you're not the first player... Or you maybe you didn't care about it. Well, then you made the decision. You're going to have to adjust to that. Mm-hmm. And I like how that layout with it going back to the, the variability and the customizable nature of the game. It's never the same. You're always having to adjust on what you want to do and what you need to do. You really are. And even if, you know... One of the buildings that's going to be coming out, if you see that that's one building that you absolutely must have, you have to snipe the first player. I wouldn't say have to. 
you have to, you know, uh, <laughs> so that you can place it exactly where you want it. Because if someone else gets it, it it's going to, you know, it might not be where you want it. And it's going to make it even more difficult for you to get there. I agree with making it more difficult, but it's not a necessary thing. It depends on the building. All right. Different strokes, different folks. <laughs> So worker placement, but not totally tactical with stringing together the three turns in a row. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a huge slog fest of I went, you went, go. Okay, finally you get to take another. No, you get to chain together three actions. I like that you can't camp a spot. Mm -hmm. The fact that, okay, wherever you started, you must end on a different location so that you cannot camp. There is a, I guess, a rule breaking ability of that. If there's a certain colony in the game and you get to a certain level within that colony, that you can have multiple stewards or multiple playing pieces out there mm-hmm. in which then you're not obligated to move both of your pieces or multiple pieces. So therefore, you can camp and you can cost players that fee. Yeah. The fee it, the fee depends on each round. It depends on what area you're in. Sometimes it starts out being very small and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Although, even with it being real small, you don't have as much resources or as many resources Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the game. So that small fee still is significant to you because, oh, wow, I don't have a food and a building resource. That's always a building resource and a food and a tool or just varying, varying numbers of those things each era. And it feels epic, not due not only to the amount of time you spend playing it but the scope of where you start from the very beginning to when era four ends is just massive and it kind of gives you that progression feeling Mm -hmm. you you can see the progression in your colony that you've built and on that note a feeling of i don't know growth as you build up your colony and begin to interact with the other colonies via the embassies albeit abstractly but at least you can see that growth and that progression absolutely adds to that epicness right Mm -hmm. The limited storage and how that works is a puzzle in and of itself, and it can be a a serious point of frustration, yeah. or it could be a serious, enjoyable puzzle to decipher. It depends on what's going on right then. And what it is you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, look, what I'm trying to do, I want to maximize my efficiency. I want to build three of those buildings. That requires nine storage. I only have eight storage. Huh. All right. How let me go backwards now. How do I get more storage? Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to get storage before I can get all those resources, et cetera, et yep, cetera. Yep. And I love that that mental juggling that you have to do and keeping track of everything in your head and then okay, stay on target, stay on target, right, stay right. on target. We haven't even talked about the special ambassadors and how those can be utilized depending on what colonies are out. Yes, like that the one that allows you to have another steward out there or the one where you, the altruist perhaps? Yep, to where he just gives you extra stuff or you don't have to pay as much when you're building some of these. And the ability to be able to move it, if both you and I have the access to the altruist, mm-hmm. Maybe I move him in a location to where it doesn't necessarily... I didn't really need him this turn, but I know you do. Right, you're trying to hinder me. So I'm going to move that further away for you and make it harder for Mm -hmm. you. So while there's not a ton of player interaction here, there is some as far as that goes. Oh, there definitely is with that and also with 
landing on spaces that other people are already on, like you talked about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. There are a handful of different strategies out there employing level three or the three levels of workers, money generation, whether you want to go into pubs and theaters and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Plus, then, as you mentioned earlier, the improvement cards give you a viable strategy or you can just choose to ignore them if you want. You really can. There's diff- there's many different ways to do things. And I, I usually go the money route, the pubs, the casinos, the theaters. And there have been games where I've ended with, you know, 60 points just in money, not even buildings at all. Right. And then adding on your buildings yeah. on top yep. of that. So you had talked fairly extensively on starting in a later era. Mm-hmm. It's not going to save a lot of time. Like you're not No. You're 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 not saving a lot of time by so let me put it to you this way. If you choose the skip era 1, you're going to have an allotment of points in which you can spend. And I love that the game allows you to build up your village as if you'd been playing those earlier mm-hmm. eras. It kind of scratches that same itch as building a character in if you're into RPGs oh, yeah. I can see that. or in video game RPGs like Skyrim, Horizon, anything like that, spending your experience points to level up certain things. And that that really is kind of what you're doing. You're leveling up your own colony, your own village, and where to allocate. And oh, I, wow. I like that. That's just fun to me. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly... I mean, I, could, I, I remember back in the day playing Final Fantasy Tactics and spending hours <laughs> trying to figure out what what spells to get and what what things to 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 get for my characters mm-hmm. and I thoroughly enjoy that and that is one of the one of the most special things about this game oh, I wow. feel like I honestly never even put two and two together I never thought about it that way but that's exactly what you're doing Yeah and yeah. I I love that aspect Yeah that's really so, cool A lot of people, and I tend to agree that once you've got a number of games under your belt, maybe the first era can be, can be, uh, you know, you can skip that and, and a lot your, your points that way. Some people would say that you could do it in the second era as well. But the point is, is it gives you that flexibility. And I just, I really think this is a really special aspect of this game that I, I really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's a very cool aspect of it. And it's last but not least, it's surprisingly accessible for folks not really accustomed to heavier games. There's an introductory game. There's a walkthrough. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, and the way the rule book is written, it just, it makes it accessible. And I, I feel like the time frame that it advertises six hours and you know there's some people that'll play it eight nine hours if you're playing all four eras that's going to obviously scare off some people however the fact that it's modular and you can only eight you want to just play era one just to get your feet wet and then we can go from there sure okay great anybody can play that yeah absolutely it's totally doable so i love that there is a a built-in stepping stone if you wish to use it as well yeah Definitely. I, you can, you can, if you have a friend coming over and you know, they know that you play games cause you talk about them all the time and they want to play one, bring out the colonists with the introductory game. That's perfect. Yeah. I, I, I think that'd be totally fine. Absolutely. All right. On the flip side. So my first one is a question for you, Amanda. Uh huh. Does it play too long? Like we're talking, if you play the whole kit and caboodle, 
Is longer better? I don't necessarily think longer is better, but as I said before, the game flows so easily and quickly unless you have, you know, an AP-prone player. It really doesn't feel the length of the game. You know, you may, you may have sat there for seven hours, but it doesn't feel like it. You don't feel like you have been playing for that long because you're having so much fun and things are moving at such a quick pace that you don't feel like you're, you've been there forever. All right, so another question for you. How much emergent gameplay is there? I mean, really, you're, you're taking this, you're turning it into that, and then you're doing it again. It's optimization regardless of what colonies are on the board. So ultimately, it's an optimization yeah. game. Oh, yeah. If you're not a turn, you- it yeah, I can I can understand that you, you you are consistently doing the exact same thing, just with different pieces. Like you're making, you know, first you're making things with wood, then you're making it with stone, then you're making it with, you know, different, you're making it with different things, but you're always upgrading. You're always doing new things. You're always educating your people. You're doing you're doing the same things just in different ways. So, yeah, I can see how it might not be considered emergent absolutely right and so that's that's one of my the more i play it that's the question i keep finding myself asking is is this is there emergent gameplay is there something here that i want to continue to explore and to go back to the the thing that sticks in my head from my the interview with cole worley was are they interesting questions that are being asked i i i still haven't resolve that answer or the answer to that to that question uh-huh. yet myself and I'm you know almost a dozen plays into this but I find it interesting that huh you are kind of just doing the mm-hmm. same thing over and over and over but with different you know there's an escalation but oh, yeah. ultimately it is the same thing right yeah exactly it's like in a video game you know whenever you're level one and you're hitting a, a, a rabbit and wow for you know one hit point and killing it that's one thing then whenever you're level 110 and you're hitting a monster for seven hundred fifty thousand hit it's points it's still the same thing it's the same thing yeah it's just a level grind right, right exactly right. it causes ap and players that don't normally have ap i am so ap prone in this game and i'm normally not yeah, well, it doesn't help that the board is continually growing yeah. and giving you more and more choices. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, I could do this. I could do this. Yeah. But again, that goes back to that whole planning. Mm-hmm. Did you plan to do that? Why the hell are you thinking about that? Right. You didn't plan for that. Exactly. Stay on target. Right, right. However, not not all of us have that discipline, myself included. <laughs> you know, so if you're playing with someone that wants to make sure they maximize every single solitary action. It's going to be a nine-hour game you're be if the, you're playing the whole game. You're going to be there for yeah. a couple of days. Fighting for first player to place the tiles is nice. And here, I disagree with you, Amanda, that I, I just don't feel like it's vital. It's nice. It's a nice perk. Yeah, I would like to be able to place this stuff where I would like to. Mm-hmm. But if you place it over here versus over there... I'll make do. So I don't I, I, I wonder how much of an impact that that really plays in the game and whether or not it's it's a necessary thing or could it have been just okay after this half year just pass it around. It really depends on the on the game that you're playing and the specific players that you're playing with because I've played games where it never moved. And okay. then I've, Yeah, because players didn't care. Right. right? And then okay. I've played games where every single year every single era it, it or every single year it changed every single time 
is that was that intentional or yeah. was that you know oh yeah i'm here okay fine no, i gotta was, do something no, on this place not at all it was because something came out that they wanted to make sure that they got on there or they wanted to make sure that they got two back-to-back actions because maybe they were last and then they wanted to go first immediately after interesting okay so so it de- again variability yep. it depends on the game makeup yep and there is just so much stuff in this game the boxes filled to the brim it's near bursting so you have this down on the negative side of the of the column how so setting up the game for a 4 hour game it, it takes a while because y- there's just so many buildings and so many things that you have to set up and and resources and everything and i mean we've actually taken to using the same jewelry displays that we use for 18xx tiles um, for all the chits to organize them for play because it just makes it 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 makes them easier to sort and makes it easier to you for you to just be able to pick up a whole tray and give it to the player across from you good point yeah mm-hmm. there there is a ton of stuff and i i definitely i mean we we've harped on this in other uve games in the past that is more better and here it's necessary yeah. regardless of how many players you're playing it's just it's can be a bit tedious if you don't have the right storage solution lack of interaction there are ways to get around the fee if you you know going where players go that there are ways around mm-hmm. that yep so how much interaction is there really here there's really not Mm-mm, much there really isn't and that is the biggest shortcoming in my opinion of this game that it's I mean you're doing what you're doing I'm doing what I'm doing who does it better isn't that Really, what we're doing here? It's multiplayer solitaire. I don't mind it though. Okay. All right. Well, different strokes, different folks. Absolutely. All right. Four player game, or is it only a two or three player game? No, I'd say all player counts. Really? Yeah. And here I disagree again. All right. I think it plays two. Again, this is going to be dependent on how long of a game we're talking. Uh huh. Everybody that's listening knows we don't mind longer games, obviously. However, I think the game overstays its welcome in a pretty big way really? at four players. Much like my all-time number one game through the ages. Mm-hmm. So it's not a deal breaker, obviously, for me. Right. But yeah, two or three yeah. players, I'm all set. Or even solo, I'm all set. I'm good there. Ooh, but anything more than three, yeah, that's... You you are more than welcome to play it with the rest of our group. Four, I'll I'll go do something else. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> I'll wash my hair. Okay. <laughs> and this is kind of a a bummer. This isn't a fault of the game. This is a missed opportunity, in my opinion. The fact that there is no spatial consideration given, a la Orit Labora, for where you place your buildings on your tableau, it literally has zero meaning or impact right. if I place it over here in the top left or I place it down here in the bottom right. It literally does not matter. That's a missed opportunity. There could have been another layer here to be able to add that spatial and adjacency rules and and, and benefits potentially that just wasn't here. I mean like small city. For example, or, or or sure, I mean, or at Labor is is the big one that a lot of people compare this to. A uh, small city, I could I could totally see this. Like you got to have this or this. I think that might be a little too constricting, but still something to bring in a spatial aspect. Right. And you're talking to somebody who isn't super keen on spatial games, but I feel like why does it matter where I put it? 
you know, mm-hmm. it's just a missed opportunity, I feel like. Okay, that's that's understandable. I, I never thought about that, but sure, now that you mention it, yeah. The storage and the buffers of the resources, not only the mechanics can get fiddly of it, but the actual physical mm-hmm. pieces of it can get fiddly. Again, going back to Roads and Boats, which is arguably the most fiddly game in existence that we have played, <laughs> we don't mind that. However, we figure we would mention it here. Yeah. And the intricacies of being able to spend goods from your storage only, not from your buffers, to get stuff from your warehouse to your buffers, you have to put it in the storage first, then you can spend yeah. it. And so it's just, is it is it needlessly, is it the epitome of complexity for complexity's sake? I enjoy that puzzle aspect, but I definitely can see that there are definitely going to be a number of players out there that are... are I can see some people not enjoying that aspect of the game. And and in a lot of the games that I've played, it's just you forget to do it, so you just do it really quick. You know, like you move stuff from your buffer to the warehouse or the storage from the warehouse, you know, or whatever. You you just you do that really quick and then you do whatever it was that you were going to do. You just kind of skip over that rule. So you you follow the rule, you just did it in the wrong way. Oh, exactly. wait, yeah, I had to do this first. Exactly, and, okay, exactly. Gotcha, now, if gotcha. you don't have the option, you know, if you don't have that option available to you, then you're not allowed to do that. Okay, but gotcha. if it's something that you should have done, that you could have done, we like, I, I just let you do it. That's All fine. right. So the last two things are things that we've already mentioned. It's got a big footprint for the table, yeah. uh, especially in the, in the longer, the, the, the bigger game. And as mentioned before, the small tiles for the game board really aren't ideal. I would have just liked them another quarter inch bigger, yeah. I think. would have. But then again, we just mentioned it has a big footprint. Exactly. It's not getting smaller. So I, in my opinion, the pawns, the player pieces should have been smaller, not the hexes. Okay, that's fair. All right. So a lot of folks are going to or have asked us, you don't like Feast for Odin, but you like the colonists a lot. Why? What's the difference to you? The difference to me is that you, in A Feast for Odin, you do the exact same thing every turn. Over and over and over. In The Colonists, you have other options. You have more options. You have more things to do. You have more places to go. Variability. Correct. It's not, and the board is never the same. Feast for Odin, it's always the same. So that that's the difference to me. Uh, that's the main appeal to me. And the second thing is the ability of to start it in whatever era you want and that customizing your own village right there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to start in era three and play three and four where you got two eras worth of customization that you right. get to do. And solving that puzzle is different every game based on how the layout of the tiles yep. are. And it, it just makes it... I don't want to only solve the optimization of A Feast for Odin. And and, and that's really what it comes down yeah, to, I think. The brass tacks, the end. Yep. All right. Summary, ma'am? We joke that The Colonist is the game we wish Uwe Rosenberg had made. And while that's true, The Colonist is his own animal. Tim Pools has created a fantastic, noteworthy game as his debut. The Colonist is broad in scope, but can also be drilled down into one single phrase time-consuming. The time you spend in the colonists can be long or short, but no matter how long you play, you will feel an epicness, and you'll be happy to have spent your time in this crafted world. Mine's a whole lot 
shorter and you took my line. It's <laughs> re- It really is the game that I wanted Uwe Rosenberg to make. Yeah. And this is what I... This is the... If he's going to go bigger is better direction that he has been trending of late, this is the game. So yeah. maybe... Maybe Tim Pools is the next Uwe Rosenberg. Maybe. Time will tell. But all I know is thoroughly enjoy this game. I do have some questions about the long-term viability of the game being a favorite of mine, Mm -hmm. personally. But as it is, I mean, we're almost a dozen plays into this, and I still enjoy playing it. So that, that bodes well for me. As far as a rating, we rate on a one to six scale, as you all know. One is burn it with fire, six <laughs> being a Hall of Fame, and everything else in between. I rated a five. Um, we played this as Game of the Month a few months ago, and I would still very happily sit down to play it. Um, it's still very enjoyable to me, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I rated it a four. I wanted to rate it a five, but I had some hesitations about so the long about the long term questions that it's asking or isn't asking. Mm-hmm. I know that there is Mayfair has in their back pocket another six eras or I'm sorry uh four or six. Actually another is it they have expansions. Yeah. Let's put it that way in their back pocket on whether or not depending on how well the game did. I'm excited to see I don't want it to be like era Five. I want it to manipulate the eras that are already there. Oh, okay. And I think there's potential there. So we'll see what it where it goes. It has a it has a possibility to move up or down, but as it is, it's a really strong four. And I'm glad we own the cop our, our copy. And I I don't foresee getting rid of it anytime soon, nor am I tired of playing it. Mm-hmm. So that that's a good sign, like I said, after almost a dozen plays. Yeah. Big thank you to Mayfair Games for the review copy of the game. And that's The Colonist. All right. that's You got anything? No. I got nothing. All right. So we'll catch you all here. Well, since this is coming out late, we'll catch you all in two days with <laughs> Key to the City London. We'll catch you all then. And by the time you all are listening to it, we'll be at HeavyCon. If you're not there, maybe you all should try and come on out next year (laughs) see y'all later bye guys